If you can take that one breath and attune your attention to that breath, you've already created some distance between you and the path of going back to sleep. This is the Alchemized Life Podcast, and I am your host, Ava Johanna, transformational mentor, speaker, teacher, and most importantly, a woman on a mission to bring wellness to the world. This podcast was created to bridge the gap for anyone craving more love, health, and happiness in each and every day. And with every episode, you will receive practical guidance to create magic in your own life. Combining the expertise of wellness visionaries and thought leaders, each week we will bring it back to basics and provide you with the tools meant to empower you to thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So together, let's ditch the mean girl, you can't sit with us vibes, grab your favorite yoga pants, and start to find your uniquely alchemized life. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Alchemized Life. Happy Thursday. We're on our final re-release for the month of May. And starting June, things are going a little different. So first of all, thank you for tuning in and re-listening to these episodes with me for those of you that have been around for a while. You know, I feel like it's just like rereading a book. You learn something new every single time. And it's been so fun to hear from you guys, to just hear your feedback and to just like let this information soak in again. You know, I don't think that there's any coincidence as to why these episodes are the top downloaded or why they are some of my favorite and why they're resurfacing again, you know, right here and right now as we're going through this global pandemic. And I think that today's conversation with Natalie Kuhn is no different. This is by far probably my favorite episode of the podcast. Natalie, if you're listening, you are fucking incredible. I remember recording this episode and like literally floating on a cloud. I mean, through traffic in LA on the 405, but nonetheless, a cloud because I was just blown away at the conversation that we had. And for those of you that don't know Natalie, she is one of the founding teachers of the class. The class is probably one of my favorite cathartic releases via exercise, via screaming, via music, and has really just opened my eyes as to how creative we can be with our bodies and with the concepts that we put together and how truly healing they can be as well too. And so when I look at the Academy of Breath, you know, I wanted it to be different. I wanted it to be me. I wanted it to be unique. I wanted it to be infused with the tools that have really supported me and have really allowed me to step into the life that I now live, you know, and that was that was the fuel, that was the gasoline that I that sparked this whole mission and this message because I know how powerful these tools are. I know what can happen when you do commit to them. I also know what happens when we half-ass them. You know, for so long I was like, yeah, I'll meditate maybe like once or twice a week, if that, for five minutes or 10 minutes. Or I had my breathwork teacher training and then I would breathe a little bit, but I wouldn't actually... Con- commit to the consistent practice. And gosh, guys, you know, I think people feel a little bit of resistance or skepticism towards these things when they're not fully committing to it. But what happens when we fully commit? What happens when we go all in? You know, that's where the magic is. That's where the juiciness of expansion and transformation is. That's where timelines start to shift and things come into form faster. And, you know, I think that this month is such a beautiful testament to this work and how essential my meditation and my breathwork practice is 
for me embodying the leader that I want to be and looking at the way my clients use these tools in their own life and in their own business and seeing them start to step into massive success that they didn't even see beforehand. And so I think it's really important that we remember that like these tools are not just like this nice to have. It is a must. It is a must for us to show up for ourselves. It is a must for us to lead from a place of integrity and embodiment because people can smell your bullshit from a mile away. And so if you are not embodying the tools that you preach, if you are not showing up for yourself and reminding yourself that you are your most important client, then no one else is going to buy it either. And so if you are finding that there's a lot of resistance with selling your programs, or maybe you just have a lot of resistance with moving through fear or navigating your limiting beliefs or raising your prices, it's because there is a disconnect and a dissonance between what you are sharing and what you are doing. And so maybe meditation and breath work are those tools for you. I know that they're my tools and I know that they are the fastest way that I can connect to my intuition and divine. But overall, maybe you have a different tool. Maybe you teach something else. But I want to make sure that you know that you need to do it yourself first, that you need to show up for yourself first. Because if you're not showing up for you, why would your clients show up for themselves? Why would they have the results that are promised in your, you know, in your marketing or whatever it is, if you are not holding them accountable for doing those things, and if you're not holding yourself accountable for doing those things, you know, it's like integrity attracts integrity, a lack of integrity attracts a lack of integrity. And so this is really just a call to action to know that like the very, very basics of what you preach is the foundation of your success. And so no, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I wanted to share this because truly, you know, it's not just meditation. It's not just breath work. I'm not just teaching this. I'm not just asking people to join this program so they know how to teach it. I'm asking people to join this program so they live it, so they expand into it, so they're less reactive and more responsive, so they're more creative and less stressed, less anxious, less frenzied, and so that they have the tools necessary to teach their clients and empower their clients to do the same or their students to do the same. And so I'm excited, you guys. We start next week. Holy shit. You know, I um, <laughs> I did not think it was going to be as big as it is when I first launched it. And that just goes to show that like, even when we think we're dreaming big, we're limiting ourselves. Even when we think we're dreaming big, we're limiting ourselves. And so I want you to dream big for yourself today. And if dreaming big for yourself means you know, taking a leap of faith and joining the Academy of Breath and empowering yourself with these tools and being able to facilitate these practices for other people and clients and students in your life, then fucking do it. Why the fuck not? You know, why not do the damn thing that you want to do that your intuition is telling you to do that's going to set you apart and differentiate you from the masses of people that are not walking their walk, from the masses of people that kind of smell like bullshit. Okay, my preach or my tangent is over. <laughs> Again, the Academy of Breath starts next week and you can find all of the details within the show notes. We have partial scholarships available right now. So if you want to join but are in a financial hardship, we have partial scholarships available and there's details on the landing page for the Academy of Breath, which is linked in the show notes. 
And with that being said, I hope to welcome you in. This is going to be the only time that we actually do live calls. The rest of the time, it's going to be all automated. And so if live calls are a thing that you like, I know I personally like them, then I would say join this round. There's payment plans available as well as painful. And I'm just really excited to welcome this group in. It's going to be a pretty bomb group. So without further ado, let's jump into today's episode with Natalie Kuhn. I hope you guys enjoy it. Make sure to screenshot it. Show us some love. If you're not already subscribed to the podcast, subscribe because we've got some awesome interviews coming up that are fresh interviews just recently recorded. And I am just so excited to hear your feedback. So love you all so much. Can't wait to see your responses to this episode and the episodes coming up. And I hope that you all have a beautiful rest of your weekend. Everyone, I am in the grace of a goddess today <laughs> with Natalie Kuhn, who this is, is so fun. the co-founder or founding teacher. Founding teacher. An ah founding teacher. Yeah. Just two of us. Of the class by yes. Karen Toomey. And holy cannolis, I am so excited for this conversation today. So I get to be in your energy, in your childhood home right now. But for those that do not know you or have yet to be in your energy or taken the class with you, can you share a little bit about how you got started and what the class is? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, if you hear anything in the background, that's my dog, Coupon, <laughs> who I was just reunited with because I'm visiting LA. So, Coupon, welcome to the podcast. Um, the class by Taryn Toomey is a mat-based workout that is um, about self-study through physical conditioning. So great, what the hell does that mean? That means that you're using your body through cardio and strength training to understand your patterns, the ones that are working and the ones that aren't, and the ones that aren't working, how to swiftly and with compassion uh, break up with them. So that's that's what the class by Taryn Toomey is. For short, we'll call it the class. Um, I met Taryn in 2013. She's obviously the, the founder, and she had a version of this percolating. It didn't have a name or a website at the time. It was something she was doing with her friends in the gym of her apartment building after she had her second daughter. And at the time, I was folding pants at Lululemon, fun as you do and she walked in and we just hit it off she said she invited me to um, one of her classes it was so freaking hard there were medicine balls at the time you were sitting up against the wall I laughed for most of it and she asked if I had ever thought about teaching and I you know it's just one of those things when it's like lightning strikes between you and a stranger basically mm -hmm. and I said yes uh, of course, let's, what, what, what are we going to do? Let's do it. Had you taught any type of like fitness classes before? Well, I'm going to tell you this. You heard it here first. I was Zumba certified. Uh -oh. <laughs> Look, I'm a big believer in Zumba. I'm all about it. Women are moving their everything's. I thought it was great. And so I was on the path to, um, <laughs> world's greatest Zumba. Thank you. Yeah. That was the only thing that I had taught. However, I had studied multiple physical modalities whose prime uh, intention was to reach emotional states. So what are those? Um, I studied Grotowski. I studied Committed Impulse, Viewpoints, Suzuki. 
So all of these methods, um, they're from all over the world. And they were for the purpose of theater training. Mm-hmm. So you would take the intention and the emotional life of a, of a character and you would use these physical training methods to bring forth that cathartic energy. Mm. So, you know, looking back, did I know that I was in training, you know, camp for the class by Taryn to me? Absolutely not. But, um, looking back on it, of course, makes, makes so much sense, right? Every day builds until the one you're living. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So all of those different things that you were learning, all those styles and that you were learning, was that strictly from theater that you were able to find them? Cause I've literally never heard of any of those yes, things. Yes. Uh, yeah. They were all part of my theater training at NYU Atlantic and, uh, experimental theater wing viewpoints is actually a method developed, uh, through modern dance. Mm. And Suzuki is a Japanese form of theater training. Grotowski. Uh, well, so everything has their own little pocket, but it was wrapped around performance. Mm. Um, and in a way, the class, you know, you are getting up in front of people, you are storytelling to some extent, and it is coming through your physical body, um, and ideally transcending the physical body. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that is what that training was all about, getting yeah. you to, um, to presence and to flow. Yeah. Yeah. So where, where did you go from theater to Lululemon? Excuse me, theater to yeah. Zumba to Lululemon. Thank you. Yeah. In between, I did a lot of downtown, very strange theater. I hosted at restaurants. I bartended. I, um, I was even a food tour guide. That's a real job. And here? in New York. Okay. okay. And I loved it. So I took tourists on historical food tours. That sounds wonderful. No, it actually yeah. was a great job. <laughs> like, I kind of want to Lower East Side, I can tell you all about the Italian immigrant history and the Chinese immigrant history and how they coincided in, you know, this five block radius of New York. It was great. Meanwhile, I was keeping my theater life afloat and then I um, found myself in this very niche world of dancing for rock bands. So I, I danced on tour with David Byrne from the Talking Heads and then with uh, the punk band Ya yeah, Ya yeah, Ya's mm. and then later with some um, more indie Brooklyn folks. Um, and, and I would say that all of that work was with art, pop, artists Mm -hmm. who were very specifically using the um, live performance to create a very specific energy in thousands and thousands of people. Mm, What was that like? Oh, man. Dream state. It was great. I didn't know what I was doing. I was 23 years old when I got the David Byrne gig. It turned 24 over the course of the year. And then uh, I think I was 25 or 26 when I worked with the IEA. So it was, you know... I didn't know what a writer was. They asked me what to put on the writer and I was like, do I need to bring my own bath towel? I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so it was it was wonderful. It was wonderful to get exposure to different cultures that in that period of my life. Mm-hmm. It you know, it increases empathy, it increases um community. It taught me how to wield energy for many many hundreds and thousands of people. Um, and I learned from the best. I mean, David and Karen O, and um, I also put Stephen Raker into that realm. They are experts at taking a unique vision, 
and translating it into a collective experience. Mm, mm, Yeah. And that's such a cool thing to do at 25, 26 years old. So when I was 19 years old, I tried out an audition to be, I think they would, you would be considered a go-go dancer at Mm -hmm. um, a nightclub in downtown San Diego. Get it, girl. Almost fell out of the box on the wall that I was, yeah, not a dancer, not a dancer, not 21 either. (laughs) Oh (laughs) yeah, right. Still did it. Yeah, right. What'd you do with those drink tickets? (laughs) Yeah. uh, I did not get accepted. Not for wellness (laughs) podcast. Mm-hmm. That was pre-Ava or pre, pre-The pre Alchemized Life. Mm-hmm. Um, We've all been there. Yeah. That's why we're in wellness now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this is the recovery period for sure. <laughs> so we kind of talked about this a little bit um, before we got on air, but what was the process like of growing the class after you and Taryn had connected? Um, you know, now, like I said, there's so many different people combining all of these different styles. Did people just automatically gravitate towards the class or were there any growing pains along the way? You know, it it has been a very organic um, uh, intuition-based growth. And um, I always say that Taryn has, it's like a street MBA. She just has this um, intuitive sense for how to, what she wants Mm. out of, the life of the class. She has a very clear aesthetic. She has a very clear um, dream. And it has been my pleasure to basically take what she has in this incredible mind of hers and find ways of bringing it all into life. That's that's coupon. There's a fly <laughs> at the window. He's going to get it. Great. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, there's been um, there's been many stages of this. For two and a half years, it was only Taryn and I on the back end, and JC, who's the other founding teacher, was teaching. So it was the three of us teaching and the two of us on the back end. And at the period of time that we decided to grow, we grew out of organic need. My... Um, husband then had to move back to LA for family reasons. So I was going to move to LA and that's why there is a satellite company in LA. And that's, that's how that happened. Thank God. Right. (laughs) Good. (laughs) And those are the kind of things that really grew these steps. We, we knew that we needed, needed more people in order to grow. I think when you're a small business, you, you know you need to hire another person when you've done all you possibly can, mm-hmm. right? So we were, I don't know how many plates were spinning at the time that we decided to bring on a third person and then a fourth. And um, I think every time you reach that next threshold of growth, there is going to be a growing pain mm-hmm. and a recalibration. And even now as we are uh, 15 teachers in New York and three teachers in Vancouver, we're four teachers in LA, there is, okay, so what is that next step? And that what does that next step require of us? And how do we um, keep, as Taryn always says, how do we keep our fingers in the soil, our toes in the, on the earth, um, and make sure that the potency of the work doesn't get lost? as we grow the teaching staff and as we move into more and more locations. Mm-hmm. It is always a, um, a coming back to our original mission mm-hmm. to bring this work to as many people as we can. Yeah. And, and that's the, that, that phrase, the work, is super important because you can bring our work 
to thousands and thousands of people, but is it the work? Is it the work you want to be bringing? Mm -hmm. And so that's really where we are. You know, how do we maintain the integrity as we grow? Mm -hmm. And that's the question we keep coming back to. Mm intention with the podcast has always been to provide you with tools that can enhance and amplify your mental, physical, and spiritual well-being. And over the past year, I'm not going to lie, it has been so helpful to talk to a licensed professional therapist. And don't get me wrong, for a while I was like, oh, this is a little expensive and kind of feels like a nice to have rather than a must have. But you guys, it is a must have because if you have something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals or just something that has been stuck inside that you maybe need support navigating, having a licensed professional therapist there to support you in navigating it is so important. And the thing that I love about BetterHelp, which is the online platform that I've been using over the past year, is that it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling, making it incredibly accessible and there's financial aid available. They really are in it to support and serve people. And that's why I absolutely love supporting and having BetterHelp as a sponsor for this podcast. The cool thing about BetterHelp, I mean, there's a ton of cool things, but first of all, they have an app which you can text and communicate with your professional therapist at any point. And after you go through a series of onboarding questions, you can start communicating in under 24 hours with your counselor. It's not a crisis line though, and it's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. So they have like the facial recognition or you can do a pin code. So it's really, really secure. And I absolutely love it to just be able to get in contact with somebody whenever I'm feeling difficult emotions or wanting help, like I said, navigating something. And BetterHelp is available for clients worldwide. So whether you're listening to this in Paris or listening to it in California, or maybe even down under, you can go to betterhelp.com forward slash alchemized to join the over 800,000 people taking charge of their mental health. And May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So if you've never talked to a professional therapist before, start with BetterHelp. I promise you guys, you're not going to regret it. So because BetterHelp and I have teamed up to bring you a greater tool in mental health, I am so happy to share that they are offering all Alchemized Life podcast listeners 10% off of your first month. All you have to do is go to BetterHelp, that's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com forward slash Alchemized for 10% off your first month. Again, BetterHelp.com forward slash Alchemized. As someone that is always spinning a lot of plates as well, it's been challenging for me to release the grip and the reins of different projects that I have going on. And so standing by Taryn's side and having your own ownership over projects as well, mm-hmm. how have you dealt with the fear and the uncertainty that comes up from expansion? Ooh, day by day. <laughs> I mean, um, we've made a lot of, and they're not mistakes. I think you, one could frame them as mistakes. We've, we've made, we've tried a lot of things and learned from them. And I think, um, fear 
dissipates when you can honestly look at the other people around the table and say, okay, that didn't work, yeah. but I learned from it. And this is how I plan to move forward mm. with my particular project. Mm. And if everybody around that table can say, great awareness, we stand by you. How can we support you as you um, reach for the next level or reach for the next iteration? Then I think you're onto something. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that it's so important who we surround ourselves with yeah. because there are so many times, I mean, I used to work at a digital marketing agency and the team that I had around me, um, you know, it was just not, it did not work at all. And it's, it showed me how important it is to like really be selective mm -hmm. with your team. So what's the process like of like building the teachers for the class? Cause I'm sure there's so many people that ask about how they can get involved and be a part of this mission and the work. It is a very unique training process that JC Gossett, who's the other founding teacher, runs. She's the director of teacher training and development. And we um, co-created the, the the, the teacher training manual that I think is now in version five. We just keep getting better at, and refining it because back in the day when uh, Taryn and I were trying to train uh, two wonderful women in you know the living room of Taryn's apartment, we actually just didn't have the vernacular, the vocabulary, mm. the fluency for what it is we were doing. Mm. And now six years later, we know what we're doing and yeah. we know why it works. So now we are, there's... There's a, there is a formula to the physicality, there is an art to the playlist, and there is a soul-seeking journey to the speak. And how each, how that sweater fits on each teacher is unique, but how we um, verbalize it has been more refined. Mm. Mm. So with the sequencing specifically, mm -hmm. because there's definitely a buildup yeah. and then a slowing down, yeah. what, what's the formula there? Yeah. What have you found to be the most effective for that cathartic release that people are really receiving going mm -hmm. to the class? So what, what we are intentionally doing is spiking your system and then recovering your system. Spiking your system and then recovering your system. Sometimes that's in the form of cardio, sometimes that's in the form of duration. But whatever it is, we are we are purposefully putting you through deep and intense challenge and then actively consciously reminding you that you can recover from that mm. and that your heart can settle and your physical body can settle and um and it what what is that that is the practice of life mm. right mm -hmm. because god knows you're in a meditation and you know you think great oh great i'm in wellness i drink matcha and i listen to oprah look at me go and then you pick up your phone you load your inbox you get stuck in traffic you have a fight with your partner and then all of a sudden you ain't so calm and peaceful, are you? So it works for anybody at any stage of their um, personal development where you get hit by something, whether it's a life-shattering incident or it's an everyday irritation. And that's what the class is actively practicing. Mm. Great. Let's hit the skids and then let's come back. Mm. And then what you do is you get better at knowing you know when you're on the freeway and you feel the bump in the road and it tells you, oh, you're about 
60 seconds from hitting the median. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Get off your phone. Get off your phone. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding, guys. Then you, the, the same is true for life, right? I, I, I am not a religious person, but I come from a religious background. My mother was a nun, and um, she wasn't extremely practicing in my childhood, but there was a, a minister once who said, God throws a pebble before he throws a brick. Mm-hmm. And this is a common saying, I think, in the Christian and Catholic faith, but um, that's the bump on the freeway before you hit the median, mm-hmm. right? So we're just not accustomed to listening for the signs that we are inevitably getting, that our intuition is tapping you and with a whisper saying, oh, honey, some, do you recognize that something's not feeling right? And then if you're not listening, you're just going to get punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> Life's just going to slap you across the face, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I think what the, really what the class is, is also helping you with is listening. Mm. Oh. I love that so much. And you know what's so interesting is when I had first taken the class with you, it was at Wellspring, like I had shared earlier. and Which is a festival that Wanderlust put on. Yes. And, um, yeah. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, um, and, you know, when I go to those things, I usually go and just sit in on as many different um, speakers and panels as possible because I'm like, I got to take advantage of this information. I can go take a yoga class or the class anytime. Um, but this festival or conference specifically, I took a boxing class, a yoga class, then ended with the class. And I actually ended up not doing anything that I usually would. And when I went and set down my mat, or I don't even think we had mats because there were so many people in the class, um, I was a little frustrated because I was like, I'm missing all of this, all of this information. And about halfway through the class, I'm sweating, I'm cursing in my head. And then I like hit this breakthrough where I realized holy shit, this space that has been held for me by you um, and by this formula and this sequence that you've created or co-created with Taryn and everyone that works for the class was allowing me to seek all of the knowledge and the guidance that I was trying to externally seek from going to all of these speakers and panels. And so I came out of that, first of all, like floating. I think I may have been a little body high, like seriously. Um, But just with this like really empowered knowing that everything I need is inside of me. Mm. And that was probably one of the coolest revelations and why I was just so like stuck on you and the experience that you've created Mm. because it really goes to show that like, yes, we can go and seek these answers Mm -hmm. outside of ourselves, but self-inquiry and pausing and stillness and noticing Mm. inside is, I would say like predominant to all of that, Mm -hmm. you know? I'm so happy that was your experience. That's um, sort of the um, ultimate hope for me as a teacher is that somebody leaves with those takeaways, with that body high and that um, and that felt sense of knowing. Mm. Yeah, I think I know from personal experience that man, that prefrontal cortex, that, that brain activity creates so much white noise, um, from which it's hard to distinguish or feel that we do actually know. Yeah. Ultimately. Yeah. Um, 
And so what you're, what you're doing in the class or what you're doing in meditation or on a run, um, or on a hike or whatever, whatever, pick your poison is you are getting out that stuck energy that needs to be dissipated in order to let the revelation come. The philosopher David White that I'm obsessed with, if you ever take my class, I quote him, I think every five seconds, he he talks about revelation being a practice, that you have to ready yourself mm. for revelation. You have to prepare the body and prepare the psyche and spirit for delivery, for the information, for the knowing, for the intuition. Mm. And I feel that so strongly in myself. Uh, you know, if you're looping on your to-do list or what they said about you or the look that they gave you or the overwhelming mood state that you find yourself in, well, of course you're not going to get the answer, right? Because there's just a fog between you and that midline and that central uh, flow state, you know, that, um, that we're all seeking, and, you know, if you've been paying attention, meditation has become so on trend because more and more people are realizing that, um, that the power is within them and that they do have more ability and agility and capacity and that it isn't outside them. Hmm. Why do you think that physical movement and activity paired with this like stillness that you create in between the workouts and the hit in the class why do you think that moves that energy and creates that uh readiness Mm -hmm. you could think about it like the lymphatic system Mm. so the lymphatic system doesn't have a pump on its own right it requires you to uh if you know the practice of skin brushing, what you're doing is you're creating circular motion from your extremities toward your heart and and the limbs start to feel that activation. Or you're jumping vertically rather than horizontally and that creates the pumping motion for the lymphatic system. So now if you bring that to your overall system, what is thought? Thought is energy. It is synaptic electricity through the brain, right? And then what is emotion? That too is energy moving through the body. So if it's all just energy, you can wield that energy through the physical body to create flow, to create that pump Mm. for yourself. Mm. So that when you have cleared out, um, let's call it toxins for lack of a better word. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, both mentally, emotionally, and physically, and whatever has been stuck has shifted from its uh, temporary home, you have more of a clear channel. Mm -hmm. How has this entire process helped you and the practice helped you to move through trauma to process the emotional body? Every day it saves my life. I'm not even kidding. Every day it saves my life. But when it really became a spiritual practice for me as opposed to a physical practice was in 2014 on February 24th when my mom died out of nowhere. 
she, she, I hope this doesn't freak you out, but she died in this house and in, and in her bedroom and she was not sick. There was no hospital visit. It was out of the blue. And, uh, I had just taught my first class ever with Taryn in a kid's dance studio in Tribeca. And I had a plane ticket to LA to see my mom two days later. So at the time, I was playing music like Christina Aguilera in class. It really was a whole, <laughs> it was a whole, nothing against Christina. I love, I love a good Christina. <laughs> Shout out to Christina. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's not really the energy that's, that's in the class mm-hmm. now. And so it was a more physical-based fitness regime mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. And when she passed away and I experienced grief to that degree for the first time, and I think... When you lose your mom, that is a unique grief that will never be compared to anything else. So in that, uh, in the depth of my personal hell, I still had to show up and teach. I was on the schedule, right? And over time, it became the place where what I was holding on to was given space and breath and community and safety and healing. And from then on, my teaching has forever changed. It has been um, where I take what's going on for me in my world and generalize it into the human condition. It brings me into oneness. It brings me into that universal thread. And... um, you know, as they say, it's a little bit of a, an adage at this point, but you teach what you need to learn. Yeah. Do you feel, and I hope this isn't an overstep, but do you feel that with her leaving so suddenly without re- really any rhyme or reason that this was supposed to happen for you to expand to this part of your journey and to be where you are today? Yeah. I don't know the, I, I know that it happened for a reason. I don't know what the reason was. I can look back on this time and say, gosh, that taught me a lot. And it taught me how to love. It taught me how to prioritize time with people that I love. It, it threw me into some gnarly habits that I'm still recovering from. I found solace in becoming a, well, I always was a workaholic, but I found solace in places that actually weren't benefiting me. So I saw the ways in which you can get knocked off kilter and go down a shadow path Mm -hmm. and simultaneously saw how getting knocked off your center can also bring you into extreme empathy and extreme community and extreme vulnerability um, so I've learned a lot about the human condition and I've learned a lot about, um, sisterhood, mm. partnership, and of course teaching. Yeah. So I don't know what the reason was. I don't think I'll ever know that there was a one specific why behind her death, but I know that it's texturized my experience here on earth in a way that I'm grateful for. Mm. That's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. So for those that do come to the class, I'm sure there are those that come for the spiritual. Of course, there are the spiritual, those that come to process trauma, those that come just for the great workout that it is. 
But for those that are new to it, how do you recommend navigating what bubbles up to the surface during the class? Because I'm sure, as I experienced, some there was frustration there, there was breakthroughs, there was everything, I think a range of emotions. So how, how do we navigate that? Mm-hmm. What we always try to say at the beginning of the class is, you go as hard as you want, as deep as you want, and no farther than that. Mm. So if you want to take the modifications because physically you're just not at that athleticism, go for it. No shame in that game. Modify the hell out of it. No one's judging you. They're thinking about themselves. Mm. And then emotionally, if I'm saying something or Taryn or JC or any of our incredible teachers are, are inviting you to go into a place that you don't want to go, you do not have to, sister. Mm. You go as deep as you want to go. And what we do invite you to do is just get curious about the reaction. Just simply notice it without judgment. And so if frustration is coming up, it's more, oh, isn't that interesting? Mm -hmm. Right underneath the surface is um, an irritation that makes me want to punch the wall or rip that sound system off off the wall without having to follow it, without having to believe it. And that is, oh, thanks, Coop. That is the, um, that's worked into the guidance of the teacher. Mm, mm. Um, The teacher's doing the workout with you. So to some extent, they know exactly when you're getting to that threshold because they're feeling the exhaustion too or they're feeling the burn or whatever it is. And um, ideally they step in and, help you navigate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a cool experience that I like wish that everyone could experience Uh, for themselves. Um, but obviously it's only in certain parts of the world. So for those that are listening that are like in middle America or not in the States or Canada, how can you kind of cultivate a little bit of the class into your own practice at home? I think the number one word would be curiosity. Mm. So when you are in an experience, when you're, when you're on your run, you know how mile one is just the worst and then mile two, you get a lot better. And then mile three, you're cruising. And then somewhere around given up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then at some point you get to your threshold, right? And it's at the threshold of any challenge. It can be physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, whatever it is. It's at the threshold that you take one of two paths. The path of healing, which is that of getting curious and becoming aware and being becoming attentive to your state and your mind and what your thoughts are telling you and what feeling is coming up, or going to sleep. Mm. And going to sleep is avoiding the experience you're having, ignoring the experience you're having, outsourcing it, blaming it, judging it, justifying it in whatever way. Mm. So what I would say to those out there um, without the class handy is uh, when you find yourself in that interminable moment, one breath is a full meditation, as Eckhart Tolle says, mm-hmm. right? If you can take that one breath and attune your attention to that breath, you've already created some distance between you and the path of going back to sleep. Mm-hmm. You've already taken that slight shift to awakening yourself to yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's in that one breath, if you can extend that breath to two, ooh, honey, you're on the way home. 
get that to three, get that to four, get that to the place where you are saying to yourself, wow, isn't that fascinating? That's the experience I'm having. As opposed to, I'm having this experience and no one's going to stop me from having it. I'm going to follow it and believe it. And, you know, yeah, just getting curious about it, going, oh, interesting is enough to create some distance between you and it. Mm. Do you meditate daily? Mm-hmm. Right on. What does your meditation practice look like? It's following my breath in, it's following my breath out. But honestly, I love headspace. Mm. I love headspace. I love it. I listen to it on the train when I go to work. All right, you guys, before we jump back into the episode, I've got to share with you, I'm feeling extra grateful today because my skin is clear. And for those of you that have been following me for a while, either here or on my Instagram, you know, I've been dealing with cystic acne since I was an itty bitty little teenager. And it kind of sucks looking in the mirror and feeling like you hate your skin, feeling like you're not good enough and just overall not enjoying what you're looking at in the mirror and struggling with cystic acne is just rough. And for me, for so long, trying so many different things, what I've realized having gone through the intense chemical peels, changing my diet, that what actually works the best is simplifying and using all natural ingredients. So not trying to overcomplicate my skincare process and really taking it back to basics and back to nature. And that's why I'm really excited to share with you True Botanicals. So given what's going on in the world today, why not? make every day a spa day and really focus on your skin and your health. What I love about True Botanicals and specifically their clear collection is that it's made with all natural organic ingredients for breakout prone skin and really focuses on balancing plant oils and extracts. What I thought was so cool when I found this line too is that they blend the best of ancient wisdom and modern science with research-backed ingredients. And there was an overlap with what I had learned from an Ayurvedic doctor in their ingredients. And so I went and saw an Ayurvedic doctor a while ago and they suggested to put a couple different ingredients into my diet as well as in my skincare. And lo and behold, when I found True Botanicals, a lot of the ingredients that are in their clear collection were also recommended to me by an Ayurvedic doctor. And so I really, really like this line, but they also have tons of other lines. So whether you are looking for anti-aging or if you have sensitive skin, maybe you're battling pregnancy hormones, they have a natural formulation that will protect and nourish your skin. And they are made safe certified, which basically means that they don't have 5,000 of the of the known toxic ingredients. And unlike most non-toxic products, True Botanicals solutions actually work. So you're not clogging your pores. You're not doing more damage. They actually work. So I like the Clear Collection. There's a nourishing cleanser. There's a nutrient toner. There's pure radiance oil. Again, it is non-pore clogging, which is amazing. And they also have a repair serum, which I love serums. So anyways, if you guys haven't tried True Botanicals before or ever checked them out, they are a proud sponsor of this show. And by supporting them, you are supporting me and all of the guests that come on this show. So go to their website and check them out. You're going to love their branding. You're going to love their bottles. You've probably seen them before once you go onto their website. Anyways, you can get 15% off as a listener of this show. And all you have to do is go to truebotanicals.com forward slash alchemize to get the 15% off your first purchase. Again, that's truebotanicals.com forward slash alchemize for 15% off. 
So you're obviously really, really, really ridiculously smart. Um, <laughs> how much of what you teach, knowing, of course, that there's a formula, how much of what you teach is intuitive just from like sitting in your meditation, taking the class on your own, and how much of it is kind of sourced from external ins- inspiration? Good cue. Every teacher is different. Um, Taryn um, has her playlist set. She drops in music hits, and then she just opens herself into the room. JC, uh, I won't, well, I won't speak for her, but she's definitely, she's, she's talking to the stars and she's lifting from the earth that one uh, magical goddess being. And for me, I work um, both ways. I, I, I'm not a singer songwriter, <laughs> but. I watched enough VH1 to know that sometimes it's the chords and sometimes it's the lyrics that Mm -hmm. bring you into that uh, unified space. Mm. For me, I put a lot of um, work into a theme for class. Mm. And my preparation is creating the playlist at the same time that I'm journaling. And I will journal on um, what... I have been musing over or feeling or thinking and that theme comes through. Now, I might have all that preparation ready, but the moment I step onto the mat and I'm there with the, you know, 80 people on a Friday morning, the whole thing could fly out the window based on the energy in the room. Mm -hmm. Or the energy in the room could feel copacetic and it could feel like merging with the preparation. So I just try to stay super open and sensitive to um, what is real and present and what is has been percolating in my own system. Mm. So again, it's, it's like what, com- what comes first, the chords or the lyrics? Yeah. It's a little bit of both, but yeah. it, it has to, the class exists in real time. Yeah. Well, and that's such a beautiful lesson to adapt into every other area of your life too, mm-hmm. you know? Do you ever get scared? Oh, all the time. How do you do it? How do you get past it? You mean when I'm teaching or just in life? Both. Mm. When I'm teaching or, or about to step onto a big stage or, or I don't feel fully resourced uh, and fear comes up, I remember that I am um, there in service. Mm, mm. And that releases all of my fear. And that used to come up for me as a performer. When I was self-focused, fear comes up. Yeah. And when I am offering myself um, both to what wants to come through and what is present in the room, it uh, the fear dissipates into a higher intention of, of service. Mm. And I think when fear comes up for me um, elsewhere, uh, the work that is required is that of trust. Mm -hmm. That if I'm fearing, it's because there's some part of me that um, the trust, that my own self-trust has gone through a cheese grater of sorts, right? And then it's a, it's my whole system feels like Swiss cheese. Mm. So I have to go and I have to find where is that hole that created the fear. So what, what is the fear? It, fear is this massive catch-all, right? But there's the fear of not being liked. There's the fear of not being accepted. There's the fear of not doing well. So, so what is it really? Yeah, yeah. And then if I can identify it and get clear about it, then I can say, oh, 
Fabulous. That was just a manifestation and a story that needs to be rewritten. Mm. It might take me a while to get there. Let's be real. It's not that easy. Right. Um, But I do do the work of pulling back the layers to understand what part of my own self-trust needs the repair. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like when we are able to go through that process, we're able to really turn what could be a shitty labeled negative experience into something positive where we're able to find that silver lining or the light at the end of the tunnel from things that are stemmed from beliefs or just bad things happening to us. So for those that are listening that may be in a time where they are having negative experiences, what is the process that you go through of transmuting it into more of a positive experience or at least a a growing experience? Mm -hmm. Uh, there's, uh, there's two paths I think you can take, uh, two tool sets or at least work for me. One is listing in generalities what is actually going well. Mm. Uh, one might call this abundance, one might call this gratitude, right? Um, you know, if you were to do a wellness drinking game, I've heard that word gratitude so many times that it's a, a little bit of a, you know, my eyes glaze over. So I think about it as abundance now. Um, my now husband's... Um, Congratulations. Thank you. His uncle it was like, I'm so happy that you themed your wedding around gratitude. And we're like, we didn't do that. But okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Next. Not for you. You just got married. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> so one is listing in generalities what is going well and then getting more and more specific to the thing that's actually not going well. Mm. So if it is work-related, first I'll say, gosh, there is an abundance of sun coming through this window. Okay, I have clean water to drink. And then slowly but surely, I start to get more and more clear about, well, what is working about work? What is mm. um, going well about that project? And then it it starts to dissipate the that heavy, all-encompassing feeling of what's broken. Mm. And then when I can distill it, the, the, the thing that's broken actually becomes um, much more digestible. Now look, sometimes I don't want to be grateful for anything. Not in that place. Y'all can go F yourself, (laughs) you know? And so in that moment, I have to surrender and vent and cry, phone a friend. You mean you're human? Oh, gnarly human. (laughs) Get in the shower, cry in the shower. You know, I just have to release, surrender fully into how bad it feels. It's Pima Trojan that says, uh, obviously, I I love to study. So (laughs) Pima Trojan says that... um, an emotion in its truest state only lasts 90 seconds. Mm. And that gives me great solace. Yeah. That means that I've spent all day preventing myself from actually experiencing the core and the seed of the emotion that is wanting to be freed. Mm. So I'll wait and I'll get home and I'll give it a rip. Sometimes I take a pillow and take one of those plastic bats or a water bottle and just let my anger out. Mm. Or sometimes I, I'm telling you, I will cry in the shower until I can't cry anymore. 
Sometimes I will call a girlfriend or my sister and bitch. And then, and then it's done. And then you pick yourself back up and the energy is dissipated. And then you need to know to put that down. Yeah. Put it down. Because if you start that whole cycle all over again, now that's on you. Yeah. Now you're proliferating something. Mm -hmm. Do you ever feel like when you have those, I would say emotional, emotional times, scheduled emotional times, um, that there is an expectation because you're in the wellness space Mm. that you're not supposed to be like that, Mm. that you're not supposed to feel. Because I feel like I get that sometimes. God, I work for the class by Taryn Toomey, let me tell you. Because the method itself is an invitation to experience the full canon of your human experience. Sometimes vinyasa yoga does not feel that way. (laughs) Well, you know, that's so funny that you say that because Taryn was a yoga teacher for six years and part of why she developed the class the way that she did is that she would be in yoga and sometimes she just wanted to scream. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I think that it's just like the expectations of certain titles that we have, like to be a yoga and meditation teacher, the expectation that I'm also vegan, that I am meditating for an hour each day. Sometimes it's like overwhelming me having to be like, no, I eat meat. To every person, you, you know? know, and what this brings me back to is who says, yeah, who says I need to post on Instagram? Who says I need to be gluten free? Who says, uh, and I need to meditate. That's just a story that I've created about somebody else. And if they have an issue with how I live my life, that's their problem. You know, ultimately what feels good to me? I'll tell you what feels good. Dark chocolate at the end of the day. Yes. Sorry, not giving it up. <laughs> you know, it feels good to me on a Friday, a glass of tequila. That doesn't mean that I'm doing it every day because, because not because well and good told me that, mm-hmm. but because, and I love well and good. I love those. Ideas. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> Disclaimer. But because I know in my heart when I check in with myself, uh, the one glass feels good, two doesn't. And that's my own, hello, I was a bartender. I had to fall off the edge of the cliff before I figured that one out, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so I've just learned, hey, if it works for you, keep going. Yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that, that's what I kind of like tell everybody that I talk to. I'm like, if it doesn't feel good, mm-hmm. don't do it. Mm-hmm. It should feel good. Yeah. That's the whole point of like living. We are not put on this planet to feel bad. Right. We were put on this planet to feel good. And so why stray away from that at all? Yeah. So the other side of that is a lot of people get to a point in their lives when they've experienced so much trauma, so much pain, so much loss that they're just like, "Mm, I'm done. I'm done feeling. Mm -hmm. How can you wake up if you're in that state? Should you wake up if you're in that state? Like what, what is that like? I think, um, What's most important is that when you are on that path of interest in waking up and in, in hoping, it starts with a hope, right? A small, very blue flame that has not yet become yellow into orange, that you do so in the realm of safety. Mm. And perhaps that's another practitioner, perhaps that's a therapist, perhaps that's a best friend who you know is not going to judge you if you take a step backward before you take two steps forward. Um, But healing cannot happen if you are not safe. Mm. 
So that's in the realm of community. That's in the realm of um, perhaps a professional. That's in the realm of staying safe in your own body. Uh, and that's going to be unique to each person. Mm-hmm. I think trying to open up too quickly um, can have some adverse effects. But at the same time, I think every healing journey, I'll say all this, I'll make it more specific. My healing journey has been about about taking one step back before taking two steps forward. But nobody says that. Yeah. So you you, you know... The, the ideal situation is that you have at least one person in your life who can say, oh, honey, don't worry, that's normal, mm-hmm. and normalize the pain and normalize the situation you're in and say, you know, it, it's going to feel like this because you're right on the edge of that. I hope everybody has somebody, and if they don't, there's so many places to turn. Your yeah. local yoga studio, your... Um, and if that's not available, I mean, there's things online that phone a friend, phone somebody who, you know, is going to listen more than they get offer advice. Mm. Very important. Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So in your life right now, what is bringing you joy? Mm. I'm going to pivot a little bit. What's bringing you joy? Well, we happen to be talking on um, Is today my a big day? Day, for, day one of my trip to L.A. Okay, yeah. So being reunited with the L.A. teaching team and Courtney Crowley, who runs our L.A. business, and my dog, who I miss terribly, 70-degree um, weather. Uh, there's so much to celebrate. Um, it was 80 earlier this week, too. Get out of town. Yeah. You guys, so last week I had Andy Mant on the podcast. The interview is going to be coming out in a few weeks, but he is the founder of Blue Blocks. I've talked about them a bit already here as well as on my Instagram, and I am so excited for you guys to listen to this episode. I am currently wearing my blue blocks and kind of kicking myself because I forgot to put them on earlier today. It's now 3 p.m. and my eyes are so tired. I see such a huge difference from wearing my blue blocks, blue light blocking clear glasses. And I just need everyone to know about this product and why it's so important for our hormonal health, for our sleep, for headaches, for stress. Seriously, I had no idea how impactful our screens, the lights, everything artificial is on our overall health. And, you know, there's a lot of blue light blocking glasses out there. And Andy Mant really wanted to break down why some of them were more effective than others. So he went on this whole mission and went to a research lab in Australia to start testing different glasses and found out and figured out that so many of those like trendy glasses out there are not even up to the standards of the academic peer-reviewed studies. So super, super important. If you have ever bought blue light glasses before and have realized like, yeah, you know, these don't really work that well. It's because they probably aren't actually blocking the amount of blue light that they're supposed to and are not actually blocking the right type of colored light. So you guys, 
I'm going to let him share more in the full episode, but I wanted to share just that little bit with you. And since I've started wearing my blue light glasses, I or blue light blocking glasses, I have seen such a difference, not only in my sleep, but how I feel by the end of the day when I'm starting to kind of clock out from working from home on my desktop and on my phone. You know, they are such high quality glasses and the frames are so cute. And They are optic grade as well too. So they really use the technology necessary in order to block the right amount of blue light. And one of the things that I love about Blue Blocks is that every single purchase, they donate the monetary equivalent to provide reading glasses in third world countries. So they really care about giving back as well as supporting you with optimizing your health in so many different ways. And so whether you need prescription lenses or don't need a prescription, I don't need a prescription. I got 20-20, but if you need a prescription, they can also make the glasses with prescription. They have three different types of glasses, tons of different stylish frames, and they offer free global shipping. I love this company so much. You guys are going to love hearing Andy on the podcast. He just is such a wealth of information and truly is so passionate about all of this all of this information, all of this information, this company, and I'm just, you know, I am fully behind them and just so grateful to be able to not only have that conversation with Andy, but share Blue Blocks with you guys. So if you have not jumped on the Blue Blocks train, you got to check them out. All you have to do is go to www.blueblocks.com forward slash alchemize. You'll get 15% off of your order. Again, that's blueblocks.com forward slash alchemize. You'll see a cute little photo of me working from home with my blue blocks on and you would get 15% off of your order. I really hope that you guys take a moment to check them out. The link is in the show notes as well too. You're just gonna love them so much and I can't wait for you guys to hear the whole interview. I'm I'm grateful for the love I have in my life that is both in the realm of intimacy and the realm of community. Um, I just could go on and on. I had a great cookie from, um, I guess it's called Cookie Inc. I don't know. Love it. <laughs> my dad's girlfriend. <laughs> That's great to feel great about that. Uh, but I took Carly Tracy's class this morning and... Um, She's an incredible class teacher. Um, she teaches Friday mornings at the space in Samo, and it it felt great. I got a text message from Erin Ward, who's also a class teacher, with just a selfie of her face giving a kiss to the camera. That felt great. I'm telling you, when you look around, it's there. Yeah. I could list you a whole thing of grievances and difficulties, and, you know, what are you going to put your attention on? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's so interesting. I was having a conversation with one of my mentees earlier this week. You know, we are such good storytellers. Mm. We're great at it. Like, we really good at storytelling. And yet we always try to use our power to, like, tell these stories that are, like, bad and negative and are about all the bad things going on. And it's like, what if we decided to use our incredible gift of storytelling to talk about all the good mm-hmm. and to create a story that like really empowers us and lights us up. I think that's the same uh, crossroads we were talking about earlier. Yeah. At any moment you have this choice, do I want to awaken and heal or do I want to rest in the comfort of staying broken or hurt? Mm. And I think what is underneath all of, all of that is that there's a sense of control and familiarity with what 
we have done in have what what we have done in the past, mm. even if it makes us upset or irritated or miserable. And if we can practice opening ourselves up into the unknown, opening up ourselves into um, that space of um, vulnerability, really then we have the opportunity to, to go left instead of right. Mm. For someone that has had issues in the past with releasing control, what, where do you start to like build that trust? Cause really it, it comes down to trusting, you know, like we talked about earlier, like how, how do you release the control in your own, own life? I, uh, you you answered your own question. Yeah. I think it comes back to trust. Mm-hmm. It's it's understanding why do I want to control it? It's getting curious, right? Yeah. It's is oh this is so nice how full circle this conversation is. Um, well, why do I want to control it? I want to control it because it's familiar. Well, why do I like familiarity? Because it gives me the false sense of security. Well, what happens when I feel insecure? Oh, I feel. Um, ungrounded. Okay. So why does that make me feel, um, you know, why do I have an issue with feeling ungrounded? Okay. Well, it's because I don't trust that I'm going to be okay. Okay. Can I tell myself that I'm okay? Hold on. Let me put my hand on my heart. Mm -hmm. Let me feel the breath in my body. Oh, I'm right here. I'm right here. Let me wiggle my toes. Oh, got it. The ground is holding me. The ground is holding me. So if I'm being held by the ground, and I'm breathing, and my hand is on my heart, and I'm finding myself a little bit more stable, I might remember that I'm also held by something greater than my thoughts. Mm. I'm held by something greater than my emotions because I am neither my thought nor my emotion. I am not my fear. I am not my fear of of instability, nor am I my control. I am none of these things. Mm. I am the space between my breath. I am held. I am one with all that is. And how do you do that? You one me- one breath is a meditation. You can mic drop if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that's a practice. Yeah, I mean, oh. that is hell. I you, you look get lo- loosening the grip of control. If it's strong, it's going to take some time. Yeah, and then you just give yourself the patience and the empathy that okay, that just has a particularly strong grip because it's been practiced. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so if you have been practicing it, it has gotten stronger. Just like your bicep at the gym. If I'm lifting weights, that thing's going to get stronger. If I've been practicing control, control as a pattern is going to get mighty, mighty strong. Mm. What patterns are you working on releasing right now? Mm. Um, that I'm not enough Mm. and that somehow I need external validation to be enough. Mm. So you don't want me to be your hype girl. (laughs) Girl. (laughs) I think that that's... I take solace in that because, of course, that's how I feel as well. And, you know, there's, I, for women especially, the fear of not being enough is just so prevalent in our lives. And the external validation, too, especially now that we have social media. Mm-hmm. I mean, if someone do- doesn't double tap, then, like, mm-hmm. someone's life could be <laughs> destroyed because of that. So it's it feels good to know that 
as like weird as this sounds, but it feels good to know that like at any point in your life, regardless of how much fame you've had, how much success you've had, that there can still be that pattern that needs to be released and work to be released. And I think that a lot of, a lot of people put this external hope on once they get to this point, they will no longer feel that way. Right. And what I've found, especially over the past couple months, is that I got to be doing that work today. I got to be feeling like that today. I can't put that in something down yeah. the road. I mean, if you know, if you've ever been close to somebody with uh, who struggled with addiction, they might be clean of the substance, but still think about it. So when you're working with a deep set pattern or a deep set um, alchemical um, situation, it is it is a practice every single day, if mm-hmm. not every hour, that requires attention and compassion. I really like that. So what is driving you then? I know it brings you joy. What's driving you? What's going? What's happening with the class and what are you working on? Oh. Specifically projects? Interested about that, but also mm. interested about what's like inspiring you and driving you yeah. to this like next level and this expansion within your own. Yeah. yeah. I think um, over the past six years, I have, um, th- you know, thanks to mentors like Taryn and JC and Allison McClee and other teachers in my life, I have become comfortable with um, doing this work with small groups and then larger groups and then larger groups. And now I think we're pushing into how far can we bring this work and still have it work? Mm -hmm. So I've brought it into um, uh, some demographics that don't have the... uh, the means or the circumstances to be able to practice. And that's been very um, eye-opening for me to see how the class works for in these differences. Mm -hmm. And we are going to soon be testing out whether or not it's, it's possible to have the class translate through digital. Mm -hmm. That'll be fascinating. I think what gets me going is how can we, be of service to other human beings find relief yeah in their lives it just gets me out of bed yeah and i know that you said the external val- working on the external validation but i'm sure to hear from the students that you get to work with mm. it's just such a magical experience it makes me feel great and i'm really practicing don miguel ruiz's uh one of the agreements is to not take anything personally. Mm -hmm. So both the criticism and the compliments. Mm -hmm. So really what makes me feel great is the felt sense in the room of silence after the class is over. Mm -hmm. I feel like that is a jacuzzi for my soul, feeling that stillness, feeling that, um, aliveness and feeling that lightness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You really like for everyone listening that has not taken the class you literally feel like you're like floating out of there I think I was skipping through the wellspring like um oh, commerce area where so all the nice. people I was like I'm in the best mood ever <laughs> I think the, the other thing that lights me up right now is that I am shifting my focus from needing that external world into a more dedicated internal um horizon mm. and I've been working with this incredible woman 
Rachel Dunville, um, who is an intimacy coach. And what she has helped me do for myself is transition out of the external working world where there's, um, there's being present for people during class and then there's the engine of the office. And then how do I return to my truest, most potent core self when I go home mm-hmm. and then can that transition become less and less so that I am my fullest self the entire day, right? Mm-hmm. So um, now, thanks to her guidance, I have real rituals that take me out of that external focus and return me to a broader internal landscape. What do some of those rituals look like? Yeah, I uh, a curated playlist mm. for leaving the office. Uh, a trillion lit candles when I get home. And probably the most important thing is a shower. Mm. Even if I showered after class. Yeah. It's that psychic um, washing off of... Um, do you know... Do you ever, you know, when the sun is coming through a window mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the particles in the air start to glisten? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, what the shower does for me is take all of those particles that, have, that were unseen, mm. wash off. I really like Psychically. that. Psychically. Yeah, yeah. Um, I used to do the same thing when I was working my corporate job. That was like my bookmark in my day to come home and take a shower. And I would literally, like as I was washing myself with the loofah, and I would watch the bubbles go down into the drain, I would imagine that was all of my stress going away. And it was powerful. It really was. I'm a Scorpio. So mm. are you a Scorpio? Are I'm you a not, water baby? I'm not. I'm Aries. I'm fire okay, fire. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, the shower. It's, it's a magical place though. It is. And um, I've also learned um, a little bit more about scent mm. and mm-hmm. oils and things like that. And when I can't shower because you're going to an event or um, dinner with friends, whatever it is after yeah. work. Um, I use a certain scent that has become like Pavlov's dog, this conditioned response, right? Where I um, feel myself returned. I, you can do this with anything. I, even just if you're walking by a rose bush, you can just take the, a petal off of the rose and rub it between your hands mm-hmm. and smell your hands. I, I have the luxury of being in the same breathing space as is an incredible woman named Erin Yee, who is, I would say she's an, a soul alchemist. She gets to know you a little bit. She does a little interview with you. And then she creates a scent Whoa. based on your what she receives as your essence. Wow. And um, I carry this little black bottle with me. I put it on before and after class. And it um, it does that trick. Mm, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. So before we wrap up, I always like to leave my listeners with like one practical, tangible thing that they can take home. So what is one thing that listeners could do today to find that same kind of cathartic release that they'd find in the class? Mm. Oh, 49 things just flashed through my mind. <laughs> um, I mean, the very first thing that came to my mind was 
taking a conscious, active, deep, long, one round of breath. Mm. I know Mm -hmm. I keep saying it, but truly. very important. Yeah. So that's one. Um, The second you got to do this in the right space because if you've got neighbors like we do in New York, this could get a little funny, but I love taking a pillow and taking a, you know, a plastic baseball bat or whatever and letting my emotions just hit the pillow. Mm-hmm. Feels good. Yeah. <laughs> and if you don't have that or you can't make sound because your neighbors are going to think something nefarious is going on, then I love to sprint and then walk Mm, mm -hmm. and then sprint and then walk. It's called the afterburn Mm. and just get all that energy out, recover. Mm. I like that. Thank you for sharing this. So you're rad. Oh, very, very cool. Um, where can people find you? How can we follow along and how can we support you? Oh, thank you for asking. I love your little snorts, by Um, the way. I do the same thing. Coupon and I have become one. Uh, on Instagram, I am this is Natalie. Love it. <laughs> and uh, the class is on Instagram, and it's the class. <laughs> the website is TarenToMe.com. And um, we have a couple of programs that you can dive a little deeper, especially if you don't live in LA, New York, or Vancouver. The, there's the retreatment where we go into beautiful locations and we practice, we go deep a few hours in the morning and we process during the afternoon somewhere gorgeous. And then we have a restorative yoga in the afternoon and we clink, clink glasses in, in the evening. And then there's the global immersion where you take all that, the revelations of your morning through the class and you pull them apart through group work and journaling and meditations and visualizations and a little bit more movement. It's more like a summit yeah. of self-study. Who is that good for? Anyone? Anyone who wants a consolidated deep dive into self-inquiry. Okay. Yeah. But I'm leading two retreats this year, which is huge. It's a big deal. Um, I'm going to be doing Mexico in June with Kevin Courtney, who is an incredible um, yogi guide teacher, artist, and then we uh, co-lead again in Whistler cool. in September. Cool. Where's the Mexico one? Puerto Vallarta. Nice. Yeah. Always wanted to go there. Puerto Vallarta. Nice. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so grateful for you. Like thank I said, you. forever your hype girl. So oh. excited to take class with it you. It is an honor and a pleasure to be on your podcast and in conversation with you. You guys, come on. How incredible is Natalie? This is by far one of my favorite interviews. Natalie is such a huge inspiration for me, as I've said a bunch of times, and I'm just honored to have had her on the podcast. And I really hope you guys enjoyed and were able to take something away from this conversation. 
We have a ton of amazing interviews coming up. Next week, Mama Medicine, aka Deborah Hanekamp, is coming on, and I could not be more excited to share that interview with you guys as well. So make sure if you're not already to subscribe to hit subscribe, rate and review the podcast if this episode resonated with you, and then don't forget to share it with someone that you love on your Instagram stories and tag at The Alchemized Life so we can get this podcast, Natalie, and her work out to even more people. 